script. This is 654. Is that mm. right? My God. Yeah, I think that sounds right. We're getting old. Proof you can't get kicked off the internet. That's <laughs> true. That's true. Does that put us in the same category as like uh, Elon Musk and Joe Rogan and stuff? Do we want to be in that category? No, not at all. That's what I'm saying. Well, I would like to be in their tax bracket. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that sure. is fair. I, I, I like being the longest running Pacer podcast. Right, I mean, cool. there's something to be said for longevity. You know, you think about the... I guess that bucket also includes all the good people, too. So. It's a big bucket. It's a large bucket. And we're all just... <laughs> like not a lot of good things happen in buckets oh, yeah, i'm trying to think of like positive you like spit a, buckets yeah, yeah. Or, uh, swill buckets bit, slop buckets slop buckets bait buckets yeah it's a uh, uh, bucket full of joy that's the old phrase <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one we'll have to under google that one yeah. i feel like it goes it goes way back <laughs> Yeah, so uh, just prepare to. Uh, It'll be great. It'll be perfect. Y'all motherfuckers don't watch us play throughout the year, to tell you the truth. I'm gonna be real with you, and I don't care if I get fined. The train is off the tracks. <laughs> Who doesn't love the bounce castle? <laughs> Hitler. Just prepare to. Uh, yeah, so uh, just prepare to uh, be awash in unbeatable goodness. Welcome, Pacers fans. You are listening to the Undebeatables, your semi weekly Pacers podcast. Today is June 11th, 2023, and this is episode 654. Coming to you from the high school home of Jamison Brewer, Silver Spring, Maryland, it's the Dr. Jason Triplett. This show, we're going to discuss uh, more of the NBA Finals action and some other news going around the league. And if we're feeling saucy, we might throw in an undegoogable there. Uh, joining me this week are two of our analysts, coast to coast, like buttered toast. First from Asheville, North Carolina, he's... Our in-house bartender mixing up the drinks and the crappy jingles coming straight off of a clopin, John Colson. <laughs> what is up, Pacer Nation? What is up, Undebeatables? I'd like to shout out cycling. 57-year-old Reggie Miller is coming back to the Hoosier State to ride in the Dust Bowl 100 a gravel bike race throughout the state. Um, apparently he got into cycling while he was here, uh, hmm. near the end of his career and, uh, going to come back. Hope everybody goes out and cheers him on. Shout out cycling. Shout out. Sure. And from Reggie, Boise, Idaho. Reggie, Reggie, <laughs> And from Boise, Idaho, out west, it's our enforcer, John Harper. What is going on, fellas? Uh, and I shout out this week to... Connor McGregor. Oh, God. Yeah. No, no. What happened? What did Connor oh, McGregor no. do? He put the Heat's mascot in the hospital. 
Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently they were doing a bit to promote um, whatever his, I don't know, some kind of body spray or something. Who knows what Conor McGregor's into. But yeah, hit him in the face, put him in the hospital. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he was just, I, I assume he's supposed to like fake swing on the mascot and just like crushed him through. The... <laughs> yeah. That's intense. You got to feel like the the mascot costume itself is basically like a, one of those sparring helmets, you know? Well, so he hit him, which, which knocked him to the ground, and then he went and hit him on the ground for a oh. second punch. That seems uh, excessive. It, yeah. it, it indeed was excessive. So excessive it landed him in the hospital. <laughs> that is awesome. So don't don't uh, sign up for a bit with uh, Conor McGregor. Yeah, don't sign up for anything with Conor McGregor. Yeah, just stay away. <laughs> just that's a that's a stay away. Uh, right. I have uh, multiple shout outs uh, today. But I am exhausted, but all for good reason. So first, uh, shout out to my sister. Uh, the uh, social media uh, goddess of Undebeatables fame uh, had a birthday yesterday, hey, so shout out shout there. Out. Uh, shout out to my co-ed soccer team, Up Your Arsenal, who took home a uh, championship over the weekend, nice. uh, won in the playoffs. Do you get a trophy for that? Trophy? We got, uh, oh, I should have brought my, my mug down. This They, they vary up the... Uh, the award, so sometimes it's a t-shirt. In the past, we've won socks. This time, it was a 20-ounce uh, uh, like beer glass. Is it a stein, would you say? It wasn't a stein. It's like a, just a, just a glass. beer glass. A tall, one of those tall glasses, you know. Like a, like a, like a beer glass? Yeah, like mm. a beer glass. Mm. Yep. <laughs> Didn't have a lid, so not a stein. Thanks for explaining that, Cole, so now I get it. <laughs> Yep. It's, well, you know, I mean, I'm the bartender, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, finally, shout out to uh, my band, Educators and Son, who rocked a, uh, a show at the Public Option here in D.C. Uh, last night. And it, most, more importantly, uh, shout out to all the people that came out to uh, support us and listen to us play uh, mediocre to pretty good covers of songs. <laughs> Nice, nice. Did you good. win? Did you win a trophy for that as well? Do we need to expand your trophy case? Uh, no, definitely no trophies. But uh, it was a, it was a really good time. It was a really great great show. It was uh, yeah, and a lot of people came out. So cool. Congrats, uh, buddy. That made it even better. Yeah. Yeah. All that meant I didn't get to bed until two o'clock last night. And, nice. Uh, the aforementioned child uh, doesn't know that and wakes up at six thirty no matter what. So. Uh, all right, before we start the show, just want to remind you folks that the show is brought to you by you. Uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash undebeatables to support the longest running Pacers podcast for as little as a dollar a month. And there are higher tiers, if you are so inclined, of 5 and $10 that get you even more goodies, like uh, access to our Slack channel, previews of uh, special episodes, and uh, some other some other goodies. So uh, hop on over there and support us. Well, I think what we learned too is that all of the amazing accomplishments you've made uh, pays you nothing. So we we need the listeners to help us out. You didn't get any like cash rewards for 
winning a soccer title or you know having no. a great show or beating no, a no. dad. Nobody pays you for that. No, definitely not. The I mean the beer glass is pretty valuable. You know. Like if you I get, if I hit hard times I could sell it like people sell their championship rings. No, I, yeah. don't, I don't want that. I don't want that. I, I mean, want I don't want to be in that place either, but So know. that's why we need the Patreons. Sure. Don't make Jason sell his beer glass. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, well the last time we spoke, uh gentlemen, the we 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 felt that the Denver Nuggets were in the driver's seat of the finals. Uh we were briefly proven wrong. Uh, yeah, as with our game. N of one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as uh, the Heat won game two, uh, making it one to one and making everybody a little bit concerned about things. Uh, and then the series shifted to Miami and the Nuggets handily, relatively handily, I think, won uh, games three and four and now have a three to one series lead. Game five is tomorrow, I believe, Monday night. Um, Harper takeaways from the last three. What is that? Four, three games of the finals. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was excited that Miami was was able to win a game. They they look they look feisty there in game two. Mm-hmm. Definitely was a must win situation for them, uh, and they came out and and really did take care of business. It was the first time that Denver lost on their home floor in months. Uh, so I mean, really an impressive impressive effort there. Uh, unfortunately, just kind of short-lived. Uh, I think Spolstra is quickly running out of tricks to pull out of uh, his hat, and uh, they haven't really been able to do anything to stop Jokic. And with Jamal Murray being super good, and Michael Porter being super good, and for some reason Christian Brown being super good, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Denver is very much in the driver's seat. I, you had to think that game three was a must-win too, and. Uh, yeah, they didn't do that. <laughs> well, yeah, know, I know yeah. the uh, the 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 superstar duo of Jokic and uh, Jamal Murray in that game three. Each of them put up a thirty point triple double uh, in that game, which has never uh, happened not only in the finals but ever. Is that is that what I heard? No, and why would it have happened? That's an <laughs> <Yeah>. insane. <laughs> That's insane achievement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Of the so of the you, seven or whatever thirty point triple doubles that have ever been, yeah, right. two have not right. coincided. Yeah, in the finals, yeah, or <laughs> on, coincided on, by ever. people on the same team. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, you talk about basically a guy playing the the, the height of uh, his powers, and he's you know coming off multiple MVPs, like already been the best player in the league, playing at the height of his powers. Uh, and then just goes goes ahead and has a guy who can also throw up a thirty point triple double behind him. Um, it's going to be real hard to to beat that team. But my takeaway is that um, the reason that this uh, series has shifted since Game Two is that Denver is just playing defense, and we've gotten um, a lot. I think. A long way through uh, what uh, you know, what the media is saying, or whatever, or what we think about this team, they can kind of score at will, and we don't really think of Jokic as a defender, and we don't really think of the the Nuggets as a, a defensive team, but they have just started playing defense, and and I was uh, watching uh, Game Four, and they're just in Miami's jerseys everywhere. 
you know, when you go to a, a game, you think about how small the court is and you wonder how a pass ever happens. But when you watch it from the angle on TV, you usually can see a little bit of space. And you're like, oh, okay. They could probably make that pass. There was no space at all on the TV. <laughs> I mean, they were just, it was, they were everywhere. And, and if, if a Nuggets team that has Jokic, who is the ultimate cheat code on offense, can play that kind of defense, this is going to be a champion. And it's, it's, uh, you know, there's only 13 teams ever that have come back from 3 1. Um, Miami's not one of them. This is, this is done. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that, and I would say that they are also, not only have they stepped it up on the defensive end, but they are also creating offense in different ways, right? So that game two loss, it should be said they were up 10 going into the fourth quarter, basically, and uh, Miami outscored them drastically, 36 to 15 or something, like something insane. Um, and 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 Denver really looked like they were struggling offensively for the first time because Spolstra was switching defenses and putting these zones in there, and they didn't know how to adjust to that. Game three, they come out, and um, the few times that they threw zone, uh, they had made an adjustment. So Jokic, instead of going to the middle of the zone, like right at the free throw line, they had adjusted him to sort of go to a soft spot sort of on the low block. And that just opened up tons of things for cutters and basically allowed Denver to do what they always do, just in a different format. And I think that really unlocked things. And then obviously, um, you know, both Jokic and and Murray were transcendent. And then you say, well, I don't know. They're not going to be able to get a 30-point triple-double out of their superstars uh, every game. And it wasn't like they ran away with that game in Game 3. And then they come back in Game 4... And they get into a situation in the fourth quarter where Jokic picks up his fifth foul with like 10 minutes left or something like that. And, you know, the Miami crowd could sense it. Like you could all sense that, oh, here's the opportunity. This is how Miami flips this series around, right? And instead, uh, Bruce Brown uh, comes in and, and just does amazing things and scores buckets that he shouldn't be scoring. Jamal Murray hits a couple clutch threes. Uh, the defense stayed steady, even with Jokic on the bench. And they didn't have to bring Jokic back in until like the four four or five minute mark or something like that. And, you know, he left the game. They had a 10 point lead and he came back into the game. They had a nine point lead. So it was, they more than weathered the storm. And, you know, Aaron Gordon was the leading scorer in game four. He put up like mm-hmm. 27 or something like that, right? So you're starting to see that they can do things in, more than one way and so if you're i do i do not envy eric's bullshit right now because he has had a couple of sleepless nights trying to figure out what do i do i've thrown everything at this team in fact in game four he abandoned the zone he was like they just chew the zone up now so i can't put a zone out there right but how do you play the pick and roll you know, I mean, you can't with if, if exactly. Like, That's why I'm saying Murray, he's, like, he hasn't slept. You can't slept go under. Days. You can't go over. You can't. They just, yeah. It's like on. It's an unbreakable offense on yeah. some level. I'm not. I'm not prepared to say that uh, Mike Malone is the better coach in this series, but what he is is a really driven, inspirational coach, right? 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I've ever heard a huddle with that guy where he actually has his, the full powers of his voice. It's like no. all of the time he's like losing his voice from yelling at his guys. But, you know, he, he clearly went and challenged his guys, right? He said, Aaron yeah. Gordon, you're being guarded by Max Struess. You've got to do something. <laughs> right. And he did something, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's getting something out of, you know, Christian Brown. Van Gundy cracked me up. He was like, Braun? He's like, well, if he's going to play like that, I guess he can pronounce his name however he wants. So it's like, okay, that's, <laughs> that's, that is fair. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, but, you know, he, he challenged him to go out there and, and play tougher defense. You know, we talked about this team. While they're not known as a defense, I mean, they're never going to be known as a defensive team because of how – I mean, they could be a great defensive team, and we still wouldn't talk about it very much because of their offense. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I mean, we know that they can dial it up when they need to. This is just a team that does a lot of things well. They're well coached and they play hard and they just they answered the bell and they knew not to take anything for granted in this series. Um and they knew they had to answer back and hit hard in, in game three. And I thought games three and four were just really pretty workmanlike victories, right? They didn't go out mm-hmm. You know, when mm-hmm. Miami was making runs, they didn't panic. They just went out there and, and handled their business and really just never opened up the door back uh, for Miami. It was, it was an impressive an impressive couple of games for them. Can I talk a little bit about Aaron Gordon? Like, the idea that this kid was brought in, you know, as... Uh, it was Orlando, right? He was drafted mm-hmm. high... He was their like the main offensive option for them. He was going to be their superstar. Um, he was in dunk contests and probably should have won one um, um, in one of the in the greatest con- uh, dunk contest of all time. And um, when Orlando kind of abandons him and realizes he can't be the superstar, he ends up being a fourth option. Like. If there's that much energy and effort into a guy and that much talent, it's such a luxury to have this as your fourth best player. And, mm-hmm. like, he can lead your scoring in a finals game. That's amazing. I just think that, uh, you know, they're lucky to have him. And I think uh, Pacers should be looking around the league and seeing where guys have been abandoned and see if we can pick them up for for nothing because like that's amazing he's so athletic he's so talented he's so basketball smart well and he's benefit he benefited from that you know orlando put the ball in his hands and basically we're we're like all right you're you're now going to be a play creator which was not probably the right move at the time but he picked up skills along the way and you can tell that hanging out with Jokic and this team like he has an ability to make plays and like some of the passes that he makes, like his post-entry passes, I know this is like a nerdy basketball thing, but like they're like perfect. Like he put he puts like English on them and and does it to the correct side where the you know the the defender is over playing the the left side. He throws it to the right side so Jokic can just spin and score. And um, yeah, it's it's really impressive. I agree. So yeah, Pacers should uh. Get one of those guys. And and they've needed him this series because you mentioned Michael Porter Jr. earlier, Harper, um, who, you know, has been sort of the third scorer guy for for the Nuggets all season. And he's had a rough finals. Yeah. Uh, he looks out of his element. He got taken advantage of in game two. And 
He got uh, yanked in game three. He, oh, he sort of lost yanked. his confidence. He, yeah. And then 27 minutes in game three, I think. 20 minutes. He had like 20, 20 minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then came back in game four and I thought like played pretty well. You know, still isn't scoring like he, he is, but he's he's working making hard. an impact on yeah, the game. He's yeah, hard he's hard being aggressive. And yeah. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's huge. Yeah. You know, this team, and so, to, to, yeah, last week, Colson, you were talking about, how, you know, this team, you know, potentially could be a dynasty. The way that they're out there, you know, getting these, racking up the assists reminds you of the Golden State Warriors, just way taller. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Just, they're so big. A little scary. So anybody uh, making uh, changes to their predictions? I think we, we were all on... Denver is that right? I know. I, I, pick, I, I picked Miami. Obviously, I'm solid yeah. on that. This is. Yeah. They're just going <laughs> to hey, rip Miami, off three straight and call it good. It's yeah. Miami and seven still out there. It mm. can still happen. Mm. Um, I think, and I had uh, you had Denver in five, six, and, uh, pretty good. And then Joey and I had six. So. You never know. Things can happen. You know? Yeah, you never know. Yeah. I will say that yeah, this team has just been an absolute delight to watch. Like Jokic is, it's just so wonderful. Like he's never panics. He just goes at his own pace. Like sees things that you know you would think you would have to have the eagle eye camera on. Yeah, you know above to see the angles that he sees sometimes, and like hits. 30 foot three pointers yeah. just for the heck of it. 47% and... from three point land in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. What do you do? Well, well, and what was what was the the quote and I I this is I I didn't see this uh, I I heard this from a from a, a bar patron but apparently um they asked him they or they told him that he had surpassed Walt Chamberlain for triple doubles. Um and uh, Jokic was like that's amazing. I'm so, you know, whatever. This is great. Uh, I, I assume that Shaq had more triple doubles or whatever. And then Shaq was like, dude, I never passed the ball. <laughs> 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 so, like, he's just being humble and funny, you know. I mean, of course, Shaq is funnier, but, like, um, but it's still great. Um, yeah. I, I'm just excited for Denver. Um, yeah. You know, they've never won a title. Um, they were one of the uh, original four that came over from the ABA along with the Pacers uh, and the Spurs and the Nets. Um, the Nuggets never won one in the ABA. Like, at least the Pacers got some ABA titles. Like, this is, you know, this is a big deal. So, um, I, I'm, I don't want to write it off yet, but I'm, I'm pretty much going to just, you know, yeah. crown You've got yeah, my you've got my Colorado. full support with writing. Okay, cool. Yeah. Good. Um, I just uh, it's just great for that that city and great for that franchise and um, yeah, uh, I'd prefer that over uh, I, I, the Miami eight seed story was really great, but Miami's got plenty of titles, so screw them. Yeah, and as the NBA eyes expansion, certainly the success of a smaller market team will uh, make everyone happy. Right. right. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Well, uh, there has been some other NBA news going on uh, this week, uh, and and this is this is news that I think is maybe near and dear to uh, folks on this podcast, and uh, somewhat surprised me. So we talked about how uh, the the Phoenix Suns hired Frank Vogel 
uh, to be their new head coach. Uh, and then this past week, we learned that they uh, just went ahead and waived Chris Paul. Just just uh, let him go. Uh, they will continue to pay most of his salary, half of his salary, I think, right, for the 23-24 season. But he is available to be picked up a up off of waivers, I believe. Does he have to go through the waiver process, or he just got bought out? Well, technically, nothing's happened yet. Technically, we're still in a rumor phase. Okay, gotcha. Um, but yeah, he'll have to be waived. I mean, technically, he could just re-sign with the Suns for a more favorable number. Well, wait, wait, okay, wait, wait, gotcha. Wait. I thought you couldn't waive your own guy and re-sign him. Um, well, according to Clutch Points... Um, That's that, an option? That seems to be an option. So this might be a weird thing because I, I, I don't know how the new CBA works. And also, like, um, I also don't know how contracts work uh, that, that Chris Paul created. I mean, he was part of the CBA to try to get uh, older players max contracts. And that's why he has such a massive contract. Um, he's going to be, what, 38? Something like that. And he makes, like, $38 million a year. And if they cut him... Um, he still has half of his contract guaranteed. I didn't know that they could just re-sign him. So would they pay him half his salary and then whatever they signed him for? I, presumably, I haven't dug into the you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rules so, yet, so yeah, I, as, I don't think he's probably going pod, back to Phoenix. But sure, as listeners of the pod, uh, we'll 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 do a deep dive into the new CBA at some point uh, before trade deadline or in the midst of it. But um, the this is crazy. It's not crazy to me. I don't know. I I don't know why you'd pay forty million dollars for Chris Paul at this point when he's barely can stay on the floor. I understand that he's a, a veteran leader, um, and the Suns actually have a chance to win a title, but um, they need some depth, and their best players are Booker and Durant, and not Chris Paul anymore. So, how do you free some money up? This makes sense. Um, does anybody want Chris Paul? Nope. Uh, for the correct price, perhaps. But I mean, I don't know what the correct price is. What's he going to take? I mean, he's getting paid eighteen million dollars to stay home. I mean, how much does he need to, you know, walk onto your basketball court? You want a little bitch on the Pacers? I mean, I am uh in the minority on this podcast. I am on. A large Chris Paul fan. I think mm. that he uh, knows a ton about the game. If you have a young point guard named Tyrese Halliburton, I think that he might be a good person to learn from uh, as to how to uh, become a little run <laughs> how to how to run a a locker room and how to run a an offense and uh, how to become a top. Uh, you know, executive in the the players' association and negotiate a deal so that you get way more totally money. Totally self interested uh, CBA. Sure, yeah. Okay, but the thing is, is like Chris Paul's mean. He's just mean. Like, do well, you really he was. Want Tyler? No, no, he's just an asshole. That's his whole thing. He's prickly. He demands excellence, and it hasn't won him a title. It's just it's it's earned him a bunch of people that aren't that big of fans of him, including most of this podcast. So. I just want to. I, I just want to know. Like Ty, uh, Tyrese Halliburton seems to be beloved. Do you want to make him 
Chris Polish. No, I want Tyrese Halliburton to retain all of his personality yeah. traits. I think I would just like him to gain, uh, yeah, I guess savvy about how offenses work and pick Chris Paul's brain and Brett how to manage the locker room. Probably ignore most of that advice. Uh, That's why we got but, George Hill. Okay, great. You know, yeah, I think I don't think uh, Chris Paul could could break Tyrese even if he wanted to. <laughs> Tyrese is <laughs> Tyrese is the man. It seems like he's going know. to USA Basketball. Did we say that? We did now. We did yeah, not, but nice. now we have. Yeah. Shouting out Tyrese going to USA Basketball. Uh, apparently not any other Pacers, but it's okay. Yeah, amongst the players who don't seem to hate Chris Paul is uh, LeBron James. So maybe among so that... potential landing spots for Chris Paul okay. would be. So Austin Reeves is the guy they need to resign, who was the main ball handler on their championship push and was, you know, a revelation. I I don't know how many ball handlers you want on the Lakers when LeBron needs the ball in his hands. I know that Chris Paul and LeBron are like banana boat buddies, but like I don't know if an extra ball handler helps that team. I don't know. An extra ball handler does help that team. I'm also not convinced that Austin Reeves is the player next year that he was this year. Hmm. All right. One of those uh, contract year pops. I, I, you got to do it two years straight to convince me, man. <laughs> okay. I, I, that's a legitimate. We've seen it a lot. So. Yeah. Yeah. Not only the contract year thing, but this guy kind of came out of nowhere so now there's a lot of tape on him yeah let's see how nba defenses uh when they are uh, more apprised of him in the scouting report how he how he fares but yeah i mean i think that (laughs) yeah it's kind of like playing uh the insurance game if you're the lakers right like you right now you have two superstars and the probability that each of them is hurt or either of them is hurt uh in any given game it's like 50 percent you know and then you add chris paul into that and so now you at least have like the probability that you have two of three is you know a little bit higher so i mean the probability you have none is also yeah it's still still high well yeah you're right i mean you know we're 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 kind of teasing but like you know i don't think there's an nba team in the league that wouldn't take him for a veteran minimum like what's the what's the number you know what's the number that that he's going to request um to go play now goes to play for a bad team it's probably going to be higher number but, I just don't see uh, him doing that. Why? Why would he do that at this point? Well, but 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 why wouldn't why wouldn't he go back to the Thunder? You know, and like they have a I ton of money, they could pay him a lot of, of. Well, they could pay him the most. One of the you know, or the or the uh, freaking San Antonio Spurs and go play with yeah, uh, play Yama, Yama and work yeah. under Pop. Like you know, he could make more money there than he could with the Lakers. Like there's a lot of opportunity for him here. Um, and and I think probably you know thirty teams in the league would take him on. So I just don't uh, think we'll money is going to be the thing that motivates his decision making process when it's all said and done. I mean, he wants to win a title. Concern. Yeah, he wants to win a title. And his window is probably closed already. But 
Yeah. <laughs> At any rate, very close. His, his actual best chance was probably with the Suns, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Last year was his best chance, yeah. Well, or next year or the year after with the Suns, and now he's not on the Suns, so, yeah, it's not great. Well, for what it's worth, yeah, it, Harper brought this up earlier, but it is in the rumor phase at this point, and Vogel himself has denied that this has happened, but of course... He can say that, and that's actually truthful. Yeah, he, but, uh, he's the yeah, new guy. Truthish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know what he should do? He should go uh, be a backup point guard for the Nuggets, and he could probably win a couple rings. Yeah, no kidding, huh? There you yeah. go. So that's just a little advice for uh, my little bitch, Chris Paul. <laughs> right on. So we will uh, keep you abreast of what happens with that situation. Uh, other news, the Toronto Raptors have a coach, and it's... Somebody you've never heard of. Who is it, uh, Colson? I don't know. You can say his name. Red Radovich. Radmanovich. Darko Radjakovic. Vladimir Radmanovich? Wow. Darko Radmanovich. So look, I I love the movie Donnie Darko, and I like anything that starts with Rad, so I'm totally on this guy. Just just D-Rad from now on? D-Rad. Darko Rad. Come on, that's pretty awesome. And you were a huge Darko Milicic fan. I do remember that. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. I think that predates the uh, podcast, but yes, definitely. Also, his sure. name does not begin with Rad at all, but that's okay. What is it? Rajakovic? Raj, Raj? Or the G? G- mm. The J. With a J. Mm. Can I call him Darko Raj? Uh... I wouldn't say that to his face. You're welcome to, <laughs> yeah, to call him that to uh, it. <laughs> on this podcast. That is fine. We will allow it here. All right. So Darko Raj was an assistant coach for um, somebody for like five years, and I was super excited about it. The, the Bucks or the Grizz? Oh, right. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. So he's a young, hot, young, hot assistant coach who's obviously great at managing personnel. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what, what role did he have in this uh, John Moran thing? <laughs> Jump off the sinking ship? Yes. Yeah. That's the role. Okay, oh. cool. So uh, Toronto went from uh, Nick Nurse to Darko Raj. And that's going to do what for them well, we think it, it, this but, is we don't we don't know this well, is new nick, coaches you have no idea well right? nick nurse went to where the bucks right philly oh philly, philly. Yeah. Where, who's who's running the bucks now uh good question i don't actually know uh did they have they hired someone oh, Ad- oh adrian griffin um who was a raptors oh that's right um yeah assistant coach yeah, so I don't know. This is going to be interesting. Like, yeah, can Nick Nurse save the Sixers? Can a rookie head coach, Adrian Griffin, get the Bucks back to the title? Um, are are the uh, Celtics actually not going to fire their coach? I mean, if you were going to do it, you would think sooner would have been better. Cause, yeah, you know, because I mean, they're getting ready. The drafts, like, you know, two weeks away. Well, and you know, good coaches are off the board, at least in the form yeah. of Nick Nurse and Frank Vogel. 
Doc Rivers is still out there if you want. Nobody? Nate York, Nate York, probably needs a job. Oh, all the Nates need jobs. What is what? Do you, what do you think Nate uh, Bjorkman's doing right now? What do you think he's doing? Do you think he's digging well, ditches? He's, do you he's, think he's hoping. No, he's hoping beyond hope that Nick Nurse brings him to Philadelphia so he has a job because Darko Raj has uh, is cold blooded and he's gonna not keep him around as an assistant coach. <laughs> I would imagine. I think I think uh, Bjorkman's like I feel like he's like running tours in key west or something you know like uh, he's like doing some like weird fishing stuff is he literally like, like fishing right now? yeah like, like he's know, out he, he's out of the nba i feel like he's, no 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 he he was an assistant coach for the raptors last year no i understand that but i think okay, now gotcha. i think it's done now i think it's done okay i don't think gotcha. adrian griffin's holding on to his ass or whoever's there whoever's there now okay oh yeah raj yeah Adrian Griffin fired him from Milwaukee. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I don't think Darko Rad is holding on to Nate Bjorkman, who's an abusive asshole. You know, seem to like not even if they can lure Chris Paul and you know combine the powers of assholery. Yeah, maybe they'll cancel each other out. Yeah, it'll be it'll be like unicorns and. What's the thing that goes to the unicorns? Come on, guys. Uh, help me out. Buckets of happiness? Yes. Narwhals? Buckets of happiness. That was mm. See, that's one of the statements about buckets that we just forgot. We got time. You guys want to do an undergoogable? Are we doing under Google Bulls? That was the plan. Super excited. Um, you told us we had to. You said we signed up for it. In the end, it's going to be better and more true than Google can give you. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day, and I and pff, this is probably obvious to you, uh, the doctor, uh, but I don't know the answer to it. Why do dogs' tails wag? Good um, question. I my, don't my, know. My, uh, I've got a wonderful dog, Winnie, who is, a, is, is just a sweet, sweet girl, um, and she occasionally uh, is very angry. But I would say most of the time, she just, her, tag wails, uh, her tail wags all the time. And um, uh, when she's happy, when she's just chilling, she's just wagging that tail. Uh, seems to go faster when she's happy. And it tends to go down when she's upset. And so yeah. I'm wondering if it's like an evolutionary thing, whether she's talking to other dogs. Um, you know, I don't know uh, whether it's a, um, I don't know. I don't know. Well, so that part I can tell you for sure she's talking to other dogs. And humans like for that matter. Right. Yeah. So it's a form of uh, nonverbal communication, right? So body posture is a common way that that animals signal to one another what's going on you know you show your teeth to show that you're angry and try to scare another animal away or uh you know if you're fighting for dominance in the pack or whatever um and then the the wagging of the the tail indicates 
excitement. Tail, dogs will also tuck tuck their tails if they're uh, interpreted they're, as shame, but that's not bad. right. But it, they're showing weakness, basically, or, or subordinates, right? So, um, yeah. It could be shame. So that's where it comes you from. Know. But the. <laughs> you're right. I don't. <laughs> but. Well, okay, so I guess I, I I understand that, of course. I mean, I guess I guess my my question was larger than that, which is so we've talked evolutionarily about how like why tails exist, right? So for squirrels and cats, it's balance, um, and while for bunnies, it's to and and, and deer, it's to throw off predators, mm-hmm. but. Dogs have like a, a tail that doesn't seem to do any of those things, and so is it just to non-verbally speak, and that's why it exists? I'm sure that it they use it for balance when they run and do things as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, okay. All I right. mean, there's no reason that you know it it wouldn't help. It you know, helps you know, create a center of gravity for you right so i you know it, yeah. it probably depends a little bit upon the animal because it's like uh another possible thing like horses like definitely flattened swives with swatting flies sure. with those things right uh, maybe there's at least some um some part of it that has to do with hygiene potentially yeah i mean it wouldn't be you're just getting uh, for flies swatting away flies. From the butthole, is what you're saying? <laughs> well, no, I mean, so dogs are, come from wolves, which are you know from the tundra, basically. So uh, it's not swatting flies, I don't think. But um, you can imagine maybe it's another thing to keep them warm. You know, when they curl up and wrap their tail. I mean, around. I've lived in Minnesota, and there are serious insects up there. Oh, okay. It's true. Sure. Oh, yeah. It's true. Oh, yeah. It's summertime. I forgot about summertime. Summertime. <laughs> yeah. There is. And it's all those biting flies. Fl- oh, yeah. You guys do have those biting flies yeah. up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, so, like, the, the, the you get, like, uh, a week and a half of spring, and then it's just fly season. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's brutal. Okay. So, you've sh- shifted the conversation from... Why? Well, no. Why do they wag, do wag, their, wag tails? their tails? Uh, but but also, I guess why do the dogs have tails? In why do general? they exist? Yeah, why do yeah, they exist? Yeah, yeah. But uh, my I, guess I, would be it's it's a balanced thing. I mean, like you can imagine if they're uh, a in the middle of a hunt or something like that, and they have to make complicated movements. That having an extra thing to keep you balanced is definitely going to be useful. You I mean, like. The ESPN stuff, all these these dogs, because uh, I, I, I have like sixteen TVs, so like ESPN two plays like dog stuff all the time, like uh, races. They they like jump into pools or they oh, run sure. the gauntlet or whatever. And it's like people will come to watch a game, and they all all they want to do is watch the dogs. It's amazing. <laughs> these dogs are amazing. And I suppose if you're if you're running at that speed, or or flying through the air. You do have to spin your tail. Um, I guess that does make sense to me. Um, yeah, like cats have tails for that reason, right? So. Right, but dogs don't just do the kind of leaping that cats do, I guess. 
That's what I was thinking. I think you're selling dogs short. Hmm. But not your dogs. My, I, 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 I'm trying to have them not leap over the fence. So I'd like, should I just cut off their tail? I bet you would see them miss for a while, and then <laughs> <laughs> until they adjusted, figured out there. So, so this is a social thing. So this is a social thing. The wag of the tail. It, it's uh, you know, their uh, dogs are group animals. Uh, they're pack animals. Um, and, and that's the way they speak to each other. It's like, we, we talked about social yawning and all that stuff. Like it, it just mm-hmm. goes into that, that phase. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I guess it wasn't that complicated. Yeah. Tails they are, don't have words. Tails are so pervasive amongst four legged creatures. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like in general, like dog tails seem less useful than most tails. I mean, reptile tails don't seem super useful either, but. Well, so you got to remember when when you're talking about dogs, you're also talking about a an artificially evolved yeah. species, right, right? Right. Which is no longer about evolution. Right. Exactly. Right. And so right. you got to go back to like the nearest common ancestor, the wolf, and the wolf. think about what is a tail needed for in a wolf. And okay. And, and and because there are that, certainly dog breeds that don't have tails or like have stubby tails or. You know, well, there, certainly don't need a tail. Like hunting dogs, they oftentimes crop the tails so right. that they don't rattle the the brush when they're Harper, do pointing you remember this? I think we talked about this uh, in college. There was some some study they did where they put like um, wolves in cages and they put the like domesticated dogs in cages, and like both the the domesticated dogs and the wolves were able to get out of their cages at a similar rate, but the wolves like figured it out on their own and the domesticated dogs like manipulated humans to get out. Yeah. So like wolves could like unlock stuff and get out or sneak out and dogs would just be like, pretend to be sick or be real happy or whatever and run past them. They'll just look at their human until they break. Yeah. Just literally throwing the puppy dog eyes at them. I wonder mm-hmm. if I wonder if the tails, if, if you, as you talk about this, evolutionarily we're 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 actually taking evolution out of it, but the um, by breeding these dogs, but the stuff that continues to exist, which is, you know, wagging tails, actually manipulates humans better. I don't know. It's just thought process. Well, I mean, it makes sense at some level, right? Like if you have a dog that you can read what their state is you can handle them better right sure but sometimes they're lying and they're just gonna run past you get out of the gate yeah dogs they just want a treat they always just want a treat right yeah so what i'm reading is uh dogs yeah it's a balanced thing okay just like squirrels and cats. Also, potentially. They do climb things, so, and they, you know, go over rocky things and stuff like that. So, Also, some body temperature regulation function, maybe. Hmm. There are, Just like the nose and the tongue. Blood vessels. Okay. Dogs are really good at regulating temperature, mm-hmm. apparently, is what we've learned. 
nose and tongue and tail at this point. Can it act like a rudder when they swim? Mm, I okay, that swimming. makes a lot of sense. Dogs swim. All right. But do they swim enough to... Oh, again, right, we're out of evolution, forgot. Like, they didn't, like, grow up and... Like, dogs didn't, like, grow up as, as a sea creature, you know? So, like, I don't know if really that works evolutionarily. Yeah, I mean, no more than the rest of us, I suppose. Right. Yeah, and it's yeah wagging as a communication thing. And dogs that don't have tails, they do seem to get by just fine. But they still wiggle their little butts. They do wiggle their butts. <laughs> Interestingly, that so yeah, sometimes wagging can be like I'm happy, I'm relax, you know, uh, relaxed or whatever. But it can also be stressed or anxious dogs will wag Mm. and there was a study published in current biology in 2013 that um indicated that uh so they can wag they can they can preferentially wag on the left or the right side of their body so that kind of tilts or whatever and depending on which side they're doing it on is an indicator of you know that the happy, relaxed versus stressed and anxious. So you have to wags. know what side of your dog's butt is happy and what side's anxious. Yeah, but it's consistent, I guess. So, like, um, if a dog is tagging, wagging his tail uh, more on the right side, is more relaxed, and when he's wagging on the left side, could be more alert, stressed, or anxious. What if he's uh, right-handed? Oh, good question. I don't know. Right pod? Right hmm. pod? Just go the other Is it direction. all switch? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, a left pod dog is probably, you know, brain's kind of broken. <laughs> We've all shout had out, those Shout dogs. out, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, I'm looking at the clock and I'm looking at our timer here. Um, I've got another one for you, and I'm I'm gonna throw it out at you. Um, this has been on the list for a long time, and I feel like I brought it up a few times, and nobody wanted to do it, so I'm gonna make us do it. Cook the books. Why do you cook the books? Hmm. Well, you cook the books so that the feds uh can't get you. That's why. Yeah, that's why you do it, but. Uh, why is it called cook the books Mm. uh good question because it rhymes (laughs) oh there you go that's probably the answer see Uh, nice short ones today (laughs) no but so let's uh, so cooking the books is basically keeping an alternate set of books keeping a book for the actual money that comes through and then a second one is uh a false accounting that you would submit to the irs or whatever i i don't know i don't know if i i yeah i assume that it's um keeping illegitimate books so i suppose that would be yeah you're right an alternate booking uh, bookkeeping system or 
just burning your books before the feds come. Maybe that's all it is. Just just throw it under the just throw it in the fire. Yeah, fire. Yeah, maybe it, it may predate the the feds. Maybe in uh, medieval times, yeah, they just throw it in the fire and call it good when the tax man showed up. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think of this as like a 1920s like gangster phrase. Sure. Is yep. that is that? But uh, do you think Harper maybe goes back earlier? I mean, I suspect that people have been keeping faulty accounting records for many, 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 many centuries. There was a lot of stuff in the Bible about tax collectors, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. assuming people have been cooking the Doberman pinchers were bred for tax collectors. Really? They have short tails. Yeah, and they don't so they bite don't... very hard, but they're scary. Yeah, mm-hmm. is that so? That is it? They they have the bobtails, so they don't wag them. So they look scarier. I mean, they also crop their ears again. It's a scary thing. Yeah. Because the floppy ears are cuter. Yeah, they are real cute. (laughs) Um, All right. So just 1920s, uh, you throw your books in the fire. I think by the 1920s, we probably had more sophisticated ways of... of, uh, yeah, I think it's just a clever turn of phrase of, that rhymes, basically. It's possible that there was, you know, someone came up with sort of, um, you know, they got those like invisible ink compounds. And, oh, sure. You yeah. know, if you do, um, you know, subject them to heat, perhaps you can get your, uh, you can make your information visible again. There, there could be a, mm. there could be a chemical explanation at work here. I, I like the uh, world that you live in, Harper. Like I like that. the idea that there's people using invisible ink when they do their... Uh, I mean, we know the CIA did it during the Cold War. So. Oh, okay. So you got to heat up your books. Potentially. I don't know. I don't know. Most most inks um, are, you know, are designed for like black light and stuff. So. But potentially, potentially you could do that. I, th- I, th- I think it's older than the 1920s, though. I'm, I'm going to go... Yeah. Earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Way to be specific. Yeah. I'm just... I'm trying to figure if I should go back to Rome or not. Like, uh, there's going to be a Pliny the Younger thing that's come down the Yeah, ages. this could but be. But I just... I suspect that Jason's right that it's a clever turn of phrase, and so that makes me think well, so English Shakespeare. Speaker, so, yeah. I mean, it could yeah. be Shakespeare. Um it's got to be Shakespeare, right? Or Wren. See, I just assumed it was like, uh, you know, uh, gangsters in the 1920s. Well, they certainly used the phrase a lot, right? Yeah. If uh, popular media is to tell us anything. but If Goodfellas has anything to say about it. Yeah. Right. I, You know, Italians love food. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sure, we just put the books in the in the uh, meatball uh, stew, or maybe they sauce. like hid the the uh, the false accounting book, you know, with the cookbooks or something like that, so that nobody would uh, go looking for it. Mm-hmm. And say, uh, go get the go get the cookbook, mm. the cooked book, the cooked book. 
All right, so what's our uh, final take on this then? What do you, what do you think? Uh, Harper, I think you're going uh, Rome, I think, at this point. <laughs> I got, like I said, I, I think I'll take Shakespeare. Oh, you're taking Shakespeare? I thought that was my guess. All right, you'll take Shakespeare. I'll take 1920s. Uh, Jason, you could pick both of those or neither or something else. Uh, I'll go uh, Pliny the Younger. Oh, I love right. it. I love it. Let's just throw that in there and see what we <laughs> see what would come up. Um, tax but, evasion, yeah. cook the books. Well, uh, Chat GPT thinks it likely originated in the United States in the early 20th century. Well, I'm seeing Wiktionary says uh, from mid 17th century. Mm. A metaphor based on cooking whereby ingredients are changed, altered, and improved. Thus, financial statements can also so be modified to benefit the cook. But there's no good citation for why it's. 17th century. Okay, the grammarists. Um, colloquial expression we use in English to describe manipulating financial records. Uh, the whole idea is usually undertaken by people or businesses to make them look. Right, we understand that. All right. Printed um, usage appeared in The Adventures of Peregrine Pickle, written by mm-hmm. Tobias Smollett in 1751. 1750? 1751. I'm seeing even earlier, uh, Tudor England, Earl of Strafford, in his letters and dispatches, 1636. Mm. The proof was once clear. However, they have cooked it since. I think that's the idea of cooking... Uh, yeah, m- yeah, mixing ingredients to create an, your own end result makes sense. So, yeah, I think we nailed 1750s. that. 1750s. Well, um, I, we got as early as 1630, we have a reference for so. All right. Not Shakespeare, though. Well, contemporary, contemporaneous with Shakespeare. Right. Exactly. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh... <laughs> like that, the uh, accepted euphemism uh, for it is creative accounting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my. Doesn't have the same ring to it. It's like uh, falls in the same category as alternate alternate truths. Yeah, alternate, alternate facts. facts. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I think I may have found Joey's stat of the week. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh, good. Lay it on me. Joey stat of the week. There's an amateur puzzler, probably in in the UK, who stumbled upon a new shape. What? Which t- turns out to be the first true einstein shape so an einstein shape uh, it's 
from one stone, which means that the one shape can cover a plane alone without ever re repeating a pattern. So it's a 13-sided sh shape um, in the world of mathematics called an aperiodic monotile. And so he, he got this to some math nerds. And this th the one that he found, he actually had to flip over at one point in order to create the plane. But they tweaked it a little bit and they made a new shape that, that is the first true Einstein. Hmm. When it's did called this happen? the hat. The hat? Yep. Does it look like a hat? No. No, it looks like it a really complicated jigsaw puzzle piece. This is sitting on a Google bowl. How do we? What? What? Why is it called a hat? <laughs> it's a thirteen-sided hat or a thirteen-sided uh, polykite shape. So that helps, right? Polykite shape. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, that so was in March. The, what's the stat? Was that thirteen sides? Stat is new shape, bro. <laughs> you know what I love about you, Harper, is that you understand the essence of Joey Style of the Week, which is there's actually no number ever. <laughs> I mean, you can and say I'm it's infinite to... because you can make an infinite plane without ever having to repeat. Oh man, my mind is. Just I get it now. Blown. Okay, so they're like tiles, so that you can they can plug together. Yep. I get it. Okay, cool. And yeah, it just not allowed to get it. I'm not. I I can't get it. So it, it, if anything, it kind of looks like a t-shirt. Like if you Google it, it'll make sense. Like you see a picture of it. Then it'll be like, oh, okay, got it. I'm just in my head. It's just gonna look like a hat. So okay, kind of looks like a hat. Sure, like a funny that. looking hat. It looks kind of like that hat that Pharrell wore, wore you know, for a while. The big, the big goofy cowboy hat. All right, cool. All right, so we checked off all the boxes, guys. We did ungoogleable stat of the week. Talked some basketball. Made fun of Chris Paul. That's a that's a that's, that's an undoogleable. That's, or, uh, that's a standard undebeatable episode. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you, fans, for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week, and until then, you can find us on Twitter. We are at undebeatables. We are on facebook.com slash the undebeatables. Uh, you can email us if you have questions or ideas for undergoogables. We're always amenable to those at shoutout at the undebeatables.com. Or you can go to our website, the undebeatables.com, and there's a contact form there. Uh, and while you're there, you can click over to the store and buy yourself a t shirt. For the architect, Donnie Walsh. And our once and always Hall of Fame coach, Bobby Sue Leonard. Turn out the lights, the party is over. <laughs> a little British there, huh? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, it's actually, it's funny. I was, uh, did you guys listen to the dollop at all? Um, they had a guest comedian, and uh, he said, uh, he said, uh, everybody can do a, a Michael Caine impression. Mm. He says, okay. all you've got to do is say, my, and then say, cocaine. So, my cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> 
I'm Mike Cocaine. <laughs> so I think that inspired me a little bit. Yeah, okay, cool. That's good. Ah, uh, the dollop. Boy. Is there anything they can't do? Cocaine. <laughs> Mike Cocaine. That works. That's cool. It does totally work. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't. I, it didn't totally. It inspired me halfway through, so I didn't get my Michael Caine impression in, but it's close enough. Torn out the lot. No, I can't. Michael Caine. Yeah. I'll work on it. Actually, I won't. It'll always be bad. Just, just, just hold on to the fact that my outro will always be bad. <laughs> on the bright side, we now have a show that's titled "My Cocaine." <laughs> Our parents are so proud. Oh, God, I love it. Let's make that happen. <laughs> oh, oh man, I think yeah, they've long nailed it. We're not gonna get a better past. title than that ever. <laughs> they've long passed being proud. Yeah, of I us. think we we uh, yeah. My favorite title is Gate Gate, but I think my cocaine just <laughs> Gate Gate is a true classic. 